Well, we again want to thank everyone who is joining us. Sorry for that short delay there, but we want to to kind of welcome everybody to this Theology Matters and just really dive into everything. We have a, a decent amount of content to cover in the Theology Matters because we've broken it up into two different talks, but also a panel discussion to really to give us a foundation for the conversation. But before we move forward, I want to encourage you, if you have not had the chance to, you maybe can't do it right now in this moment, but we had a, a preliminary conversation um, a few weeks ago on the church, the gospel, and racial reconciliation. I think that's a very foundational conversation for us as we move forward because we need to understand kind of how the, the people of God are supposed to come together that's, that's made up of different tribes, nations, and tongues. They're supposed to be moving forward together in a way that honors God. And in the same manner, we're seeking to have this conversation on justice in the gospel in a way that's going to see, see the people of God be unified as we move forward. And so as we're kind of having this conversation, feel free to send in any questions that you might have throughout the time. There's going to be a, um, a number that's going to pop up on the screen behind me. Feel free to utilize that. And also know that there's going to be some questions that we might not be able to fully answer in this time period just due to time restraints. But we are going to kind of maybe give you a fire hydrant uh, type of uh, conversation here where you're going to have a lot of stuff kind of sent at you for you to engage with and to consider. But feel free to raise any question that you would like to to raise. Because this is this is our hope, that we can engage this moment that we find ourselves in through a, a biblical lens. To get us started, I want to recall some words from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He writes this, he says, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. For many of us, as we think through that question, we need to think about it in light of God's word. Is that true for the people of God, that maybe there's a sense of injustice in the, to the people around you that might be a threat to justice everywhere. I think as Americans, we've been contemplating that in a few different ways. Maybe at times we've struggled to contemplate that, but right now in this, this moment, we find ourselves in, we're really trying to think about that in realistic terms. Typically, when people discuss justice with friends and different people, it's in a quite polarizing sense. It's not a conversation that's all the time rooted in the scriptures, but it's a conversation that's just had from our different ideological foundations. But as Christians, how should we converse in conversations about justice? Maybe for us in these moments, should there be a difference between what is considered biblical justice and what is considered social justice? Is there, should there be a different framework for us as followers of Jesus if you're a Christian as you engage the greater culture on justice issues? You might be saying, where do we begin in this conversation? I think Genesis is a fitting place to start. What was one of the first injustices to be recorded in Scripture? Well, I think the story of Cain and Abel is a great place to start. Well, sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, and I think that is an injustice itself because we sinned against God and rebelled against him. But moving on to an act against another person, Cain and Abel is a great place to go. Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, and I'm going to go through a decent amount of Scripture for us, and so it should be on the screens as we move forward. So Cain, and Abel, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? See, sin manifests itself in relationships between Cain and Abel, and Cain rose up against his brother in hatred and committed a grave injustice. He did not value him in the same way as he should have in light of who God created him to be, and he 
chose to take his life. The acts of injustice starts in the heart and flows into other areas of life. And that's what we see in this passage, that injustice anywhere stems from a world that has been marred by sin. That's why you could do something like that. It was a grave injustice what he did to his brother. The hearts of sinners can bring about these injustices. So friends, even in your own hearts, don't think that your heart is so far away from this possibility but that your own heart could bring about injustices yourself. So how is God calling his people to respond in light of this reality of sin being real in the world and sin changing our lives and how sin could lead us to such responses? Well, Genesis chapter 18, verses 18 through 19, helps us to see this framework. Here's what it says. It says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised. After God's response to injustices that were incurring around Abraham, he commissioned him to become a great nation, to be the representatives around the world of of the glory of God and what, what it looks like to live for God. But if you see here, As he's talking to him, I'm going to make you a great nation, a multitude of people as what we see in other places in Scripture. He hones in on this idea that you are going to be the people that are going to be representatives of righteousness and justice. He's calling them to advocate for that reality in the world. He wanted them to be able to see and to understand that. That fits in with Psalm chapter 85, verse 10. It says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of of your throne, whose throne? God's throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Justice and righteousness are the heart of God's decrees for the world. And he desires his people to be defenders of both of those things. You cannot separate those things. As you seek to live rightly before God, you need to seek after justice. And here, here's the thing, here's the heart about the gospel here. One of the most grave injustices is that we have sinned against a holy and righteous God. And that even in the midst of that, God still came and died on our behalf. He sent Jesus to bear the weight of the wrath that we deserved and took our place. There was a grave injustice even in that transgression right there. But we have the hope of the gospel to to bring us hope. But here's the reality about God. That's the heart of God, justice and righteousness. He wants us to move forward with that in mind. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Within this idea of loving our neighbors is the the mentality to look up towards God, to see his holiness, to see who he is. And in light of us fully understanding who God is, we want to live in such a way that's going to care well for the people around us. See, living a just and righteous life means neighbors should not oppress, steal, deal falsely, or lie to one another. Injustices should not happen within the courtroom, but through righteousness, our neighbors should be judged rightly. It's all under the the purview of who God is, that at the foot of his throne is where these ideas sit. That's why we should advocate for this. Isaiah found himself in a very similar situation as he's engaging with the people of Israel as they're seeking right worship in their lives. As he says here in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16 through 17, Wash yourselves, make yourself clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. 
and he's, he's given them a way to respond. They were living in a way that was rebellious and, and wicked, and what's the response? Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. We see a similar correlation here in the book of James, in James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, this idea that there's a correlation between our faith, our religious um, tendencies to the way that we care for those around us. So as God is engaging Israel, he offers forgiveness for their transgressions against them. But even as he offers them forgiveness, he's calling them to respond and to live in such a way that displays this neighborly love. So when you think about the parameters of what it means to love our neighbors, think what God is saying in the Old Testament in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. He's given these parameters here that God's people should care well for those that are around us. Isaiah chapter 10 verses 1 through 2 say, Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees, the, the writers who keep writing oppression, to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my, of my people of their right, that widows may be their spoil and that they may make the fatherless they, their prey. This is even pointing out to the reality within Israel, how there could be unjust systems around that could be preying on the oppressed and God is responding to them in this moment saying, do not be okay with this. You should speak out against these, these, these created rules and, and laws that are written that are bringing down people if they are not sitting rightly at the throne of God. There's even a response here for the people of God in this moment. God finds no satisfaction in the creation of unjust systems and laws that bring oppression to people. So what this is saying is that our worship of God should shape the way that we come into these spaces. Because we believe as Christians that God is over all of the earth. He's not just the God of our universe, but he's the God of the entire universe. And his righteous decree should be sought after in the world. This reminds me of our desire to de- declare and to, and to be excited about the possibility of justice. It reminds me of Amos chapter 5, verse 24. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Friends, is that a desire of us that we would actually plead for God to see justice happen in our world? I'm not talking about just a vengeance type of justice, but... We want people to rightly see who God is and to understand him and to move forward in faithfulness. Because here's the reality. Not every conversation that we're having on justice, even right now in these moments, means that it's something that's just in God's eyes. And this is why as followers of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you need to understand that the scriptures sufficiently speak to this. That's why I'm giving a, a biblical case here for this conversation. So we can't say, well, does God really talk about justice? The case I'm trying to make here is that God's talking about it in a lot of places, and this is part of who he is, that he, he desires to see justice in the world. This reminds me of Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, and maybe you've seen this passage read Um, more of late with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves a a year old will the Lord be pleased with ten thousands of rivers of oil shall I give my firstborn for my transgression the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul he has told you O man what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God 
Here Micah finds himself speaking on behalf of God's people. He sees the oppression that has been taking place among them. People were were, were oppressing people and stealing from them. They were being devious. And the, the rulers of the city, according to Micah chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, were, were known for loving evil and hating good. The Israelites were participating in this rebellion, re- rebelling against God for what he had for them. And in this moment, Micah is reminding them of God and how he's calling them to live. See, God worried about Israel and their their lack of transformation. They knew that God was there, that God cared for them, and that they should worship him, but they had missed how the gospel should shape all areas of their lives. That's why Micah poses this question, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? This is an observation of the entire law of God as it's looking back at Leviticus and Deuteronomy and these passages that give us this foundation for actually loving our neighbors well. A lot of times we read a text like that and say, okay, I just need to do justice and I get to just create my own categories for it. But this is anchored in God's heart. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you for your good. That's a direct quote of this text. That, that's what he's trying to get at here. He wants them to walk in the ways of the Lord. So what does it mean to do justice? In our contemporary moment, we are still called to be people of justice. We must advocate For what God deems good in the world, we must be in opposition to unjust acts and the wickedness in our neighborhoods, cities, nation, and world. Justice should be the declaration of God's people. Here's what James Montgomery Boyce says. He says, to act justly is most important, for it does not mean merely to talk about justice or to get other people to act justly. It means to do the just thing yourself. It's something that starts in proximity to who you are, that even as you see injustices around you, you cannot just turn a blind eye to those injustices, but you need to seek to desire to see just things happen around you. It's so easy for us to turn a blind eye at times, to to turn away from things that we see happening. But that's not what God's calling us to do. He's saying that we all have a responsibility in this. When he uses the phrase love kindness, he's communicating our need to remain faithful to the covenant love of God and that it's his love that moves through us. It's the the love of God for people, for the world, that that should flow in and through us. It's not a a vengeance. It's a desire to see people rightly know God. And And that's an apologetic to us in these moments as we seek to engage those around us. Because as we pursue people and as we pursue relationships, it should be through this perspective. See, most of the time when people talk about justice issues, people reference social justice. And I want to make an argument from Scripture for a few moments that I think the best way to encapsulate it through the Scriptures is loving your neighbor. That's some of the terminology that God uses throughout the world, uh, throughout his word. And he says this in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 through 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. He's pulling back from the Old Testament here to set this foundation. Love God, love your neighbor. But what does this actually mean? And I earlier mentioned Leviticus chapter 19, but I want to go into it a little bit more detail. Here's what Leviticus chapter 19 verses 9 through 18 say. 
When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. The people of God are still called to care for the poor. It's not a sense of greed that's here, but it's a sense of in proximity, engaging those around us. They weren't told to grab every grape that fell from their vineyard and snatch it up because they had to keep it all, but they had an intentionality of how they engage those around them. So there's a sense of investment in those who were less fortunate. This isn't a sense of a, like, we'll just give you the handout, but there's some, some effort there even from those. They had to come to the vineyard and grab as well. But you weren't trying to snatch everything for yourself either. And I think this is the heart of God here that we're seeing that he, he cares for those that are around us. Let's look at verse 11 through 12. It says, You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so pro- profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. God makes a direct connection between acts of injustice and swearing falsely by his name. When we bring up false accusations against people, we ourselves are committing an injustice before God. When we just give just a swift reference or thought of a, a type of people, or we, we overgeneralize them or make it very simplistic at times, we can be doing injustice before God. And, and sometimes we don't think about it that way. Even when we lie about other people, that's an injustice before God, and we are swearing falsely by his name. Even when we're engaging those around us, we are a representative of God. That's even across social and political bounds. How you represent people and what you say about them can show what you mean when it, when you, when it comes to loving your neighbors well. Are you seeking their welfare? Are you seeking their humanity for them to be able to reflect and understand who God is? And I, I'm not saying you won't disagree, but there's a way to disagree and a way to challenge to point people towards God. That's just an uh, application of this, but in general, don't lie, don't tear down others with our words. Don't steal from them so that you can gain. Verse 15 says, You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. In the courtroom, are we giving the the best opportunities for people to be able to be rightly judged? Are they getting the opportunity to a a fair trial? Are the poor, the rich having the opportunity to, to have the sides levied toward their, their way? The poor and the rich should get the same system of justice. And this is what God is saying here. It doesn't matter about your social economic status, your class, your, your ethnic background. Justice should be served on the same level. The sin of partiality does not bring true justice. And when we bring that partiality into systems, we can skew justice. God's telling his people this. These are people that are supposed to get it, supposed to understand. And he's saying you might even be tempted to choose some over the other in the courtroom. James chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 say, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Friends, we need to evaluate things that are around us, the 
every environment we are in, if it's seeking to do justice in the way that God wants it to happen, are there impartial systems? Are there partial people? And how does that impact the world around us? Verses 16 on to 18. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. If you notice a trend, he keeps saying, I am the Lord. Because he wants us to remember that this is who he is as he's telling us this. This isn't just a a good conspiracy thought of how to care well for people, but he's saying to rightly love me, you shouldn't slander others. You should seek to to advocate for their life. These are things that, that God wants us to do. We shouldn't hate within our hearts. We should address all those things through our desire to, to live rightly before God, but also to love our neighbors. Man, he's given us instructions here how to handle interpersonal relationships even across tense, tense moments or untense moments, we need this in our lives. This could help us in so many different ways of how to engage people if we apply these principles, these, these moral truths that stem from God to our lives. We should adequately represent our neighbors as having value, worth, and dignity, whether we affirm their every action or not. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. These people are imagers of God born in his image. They have value, worth, and dignity. And that should drive us to love them well. Now there's contention here about what it means to love well, and I think we need to find that through the scriptures. We need to find that through God's heart for justice to understand what it looks like to love people well. Jesus takes this same emphasis in the New Testament in Luke chapter 10, verses 26 to 27. And this is the command he gives to love Lord your God, for all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So you see this case is being made throughout the scriptures to love God and love our neighbors, to pursue this in a healthy way. So that leads us to the question that I want to raise. Should Christians do justice? Yes. Yes, we should. It's an outward expression of the inward transformation that we have experienced through our encounter with the love of God. Our love of God should move us to see other people through the lens that he sees them. This is not a separated affair, but it should push us forward to care well for people. But will we do it? Are we going to love our neighbors well? Even though the Bible is clear about our our call to, to understand what justice looks like in the world, that we can run through the scriptures as being sufficient for this conversation. Will we come to God? Will we trust that God has a plan for this? That there will be a day where justice will be accomplished holistically in this world. When, when God is reigning here in his kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus brought to establishment here, if you think back to his words, he says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He went to the cross to solidify that work of that kingdom and that he's here ruling and reigning over all. There's going to be a day that Jesus comes back and establishes it here, and that's good news for us. Because in that day, that's going to be the day where where no injustices will prevail anymore. And we're going to talk about that in the next session, because that should shape the way that we move forward. So as we move forward as Christians, 
We need to move forward engaging culture, seeking to do justice through loving our neighbor. That's a quick um, kind of overview of this conversation from the scriptures to kind of get us moving forward for our next discussion. I'm going to pray for us as you consider this. We're going to take a a five-minute break, and then we'll come up for that next session, okay? Pray for me. Father, thank you so much for the cross. Lord, we're grateful for you. We're grateful to know that you speak in the midst of this world, that you have declared your truth through your scriptures, that you revealed yourself to the world through your son, Jesus, to to going down the cross on on the behalf of sinners. Father, we didn't deserve it, but you died for us, and you accomplished all the work that we needed, and you redeemed us, and we're grateful for that. But Father, even along the way, throughout your scriptures, you have given us a call to, to stand for righteousness and justice, for us to live rightly in a way that honors you, that seeks after holiness, and for that to, to flow out of us in the way that we engage those around us. Father, I pray that we would be able to see the need to care well for our neighbors and to see and understand this, the, the reality of how injustices can impact those around us. Father, you have much to say about it in your word. And I pray that we're just able to remain faithful to it. All this is in your name we pray. Amen.